0: This is Maria Wells with the Seven Millennial Podcast. We're a community dedicated to ambitious and successful millennials. And today with us we have Anya B. She's a successful blogger, digital creator, and an influencer. She shares her passion for photography and videography with her partner, Tyler Stallman, and they showcase their work, their adventures, and their travels through multiple social media channels. They also maintain a blog that encompasses daily inspiration, life advice, finance, fitness, smart hacks, and everything in between. So I definitely highly recommend checking it out. You'll find something for yourself. And with that, please welcome Aya.
1: Hi. Hi. How are you? What an introduction. Thank you so much. (laughs) I I try. I mean,
0: uh, you know, you're doing a lot of stuff and that doesn't even cover a part of what you're doing. So there's so much more to cover. Let's just jump right into it.
1: Yeah, we always have a hard time explaining to people what it is that we do. There's a lot of things on your blog.
0: And I think that is basically the representation of you guys. You combine multitudes and there's so many things that you do. You can't really describe it in one thing. You're not just a blogger. You're not just a creator. So much more to you.
1: It's something that I always struggle with sort of explaining to people because I think we live in this like world And the industry that we work in is very set on like boxing people up. It's like you are this person that you have to be an expert at this one specific thing. But people are, you know, so multidimensional. And I want to like many different things. And I want to have a hand in all of them. Because that's what makes me happy. That's like what keeps me sane. I feel like instead of conforming, I'm going to carve my own way. <laughs> I love it.
0: Now, do you think that you're an expert in a few things, maybe a generalist? What do you think?
1: Oh, yeah, no, I for sure think that I am an expert in fashion, for sure, styling and things that I've been doing for a very long time. And I mean, money, like I was an accountant for six years after school, and I went to school for it. I was in school for six years for it. So there's definitely a lot of experience and knowledge that comes with those things finance and money and stuff it's not something that I'm like passionate about but I do know a lot about it and I'm passionate about it when it comes to my own things so then I feel like I can lend advice in that particular you know strain or that direction Uh, versus if somebody asked me about something that I really don't care about I just wouldn't want to talk about it you know what I mean (laughs)
0: That's incredible. Okay, so for listeners or uh, people who are watching us right now, who might not know what you guys do, do you mind giving us a little bit of a background, how you've started in the industry and everything else you want to share?
1: I came to Canada in '99 and finished like high school here and then went to university, being Polish. Like my parents are very strict. I was always sort of set to go to university finish some kind of degree that would provide me a stable job. So I finished accounting and I worked in an accounting firm for six years. On the side, throughout all of this, I also modeled. So a year after we came to Canada, I started modeling. Modeling really introduced me into the world of like creatives, photographers, makeup artists, stylists, just artists in general. Like I met a lot of amazing visual artists as well through my connection in the industry. And modeling just sort of I think kind of like the candle burned out into my 20s when I decided that I didn't really want to be the canvas for other people's vision anymore, but instead I wanted to have the vision and I wanted to execute the vision myself. So I started a blog and that came as a result of basically a lot of my photographer friends encouraging me to take up photography and talk about the things that are interesting to me. Like the idea of like extracurricular activities as they are in Canada was so foreign to me, like in Poland, when I went to school, there was none of that. Like you went to school, you studied and you had one path, like there was just one way. And here I kind of learned about, you know, a person being more dynamic and having a very well-rounded education and things like that. So it took me a while. (laughs) I feel like I always say I'm a little bit of a late bloomer because everything takes me a second to figure out because I really want everything I do to be perfect. So I started my blog and then a couple of years four years into my blog I went full time I had met my husband and then we started working together at first we started working together on producing and creating stock images so we were selling we do still sell stock photos on stocksy.com but then as the industry sort of changed in Canada we were able to monetize and start working on the blog as a full time job it was a gradual progression like You know, at first I quit my job as an accountant and then Tyler was still working as a graphic designer and developer for uh, a couple of companies. And then as things started picking up with our business, he was able to quit his job. And then so now we're just doing what we do now. And so now I have my Instagram and my blog and Tyler has his YouTube channel and his Instagram. And then together we also have a video and photo production company where we create content for... Other people, but then also campaigns and videos, and I mean, honestly, it's just such a wide range of things and skills that we lend to this job of ours.
0: I love it. I love the story about the partnership and how you guys maintain your own thing and then also come together with the same thing. And it's kind of in the same industry. so you definitely have something to talk about all the time. And yeah, you can help yeah. Each other.
1: Yeah, it's very similar. And I think I mean like. The way that we even met was through our love for photography. Like before I knew Tyler, I thought that I was gonna be a photographer. I was very into street style photography and I really wanted like that was gonna be my thing. I loved meeting people that way. I loved like the power that, you know, holding a camera gave you with other people sort of you know, being able to go up to them and strike up a conversation and them sort of automatically respecting you because you want to take their picture. It's kind of a funny thing, but it like, it really did did help me connect with a lot of people in my community at home, but then also abroad. Like we've done many trips where we went to shoot like street style in Korea, street style in Europe. And it's been a fun journey so far. (laughs) So how did you guys meet? So it's kind of, complicated we met a long time ago we worked on a video project and Tyler was married at the time so he was just like not interested he wasn't even talking to me like he was the videographer and I was the model and we were communicating through other people on set but I really liked his work like this was at the very sort of beginning of digital video and I remember just like his work ethic and the turnaround that he did the video, like we finished shooting. And then two hours later, he had like a cut sent to me and I was like, wow, that's amazing. I love it. And I love that because I've always been about like instant gratification with anything that I did. Uh, I'm very much like, if it's not done right now, then I'm moving on to the next thing. But then like years later, a girlfriend of mine and I went to LA and he was house sitting for a friend of his. He had been then going through a separation already she told me that he was there house sitting and I'm like, well, why don't we stay with him? Cause we had no idea where we we're going to go. And this was like hours. So as we we're at the airport, leaving for LA, I messaged Tyler on Facebook and was just like, Hey, can we stay with you? And so he was like, yeah, two single girls, like come and stay with me in the house. And, in LA. Uh, awesome. yeah. <laughs> but then my friend ended up totally like ditching me. She was super on a manhunt. We went to LA. She's like, I'm going to find a boyfriend in LA. I'm going to stay there. She went to school there and she wanted to go back. So, yeah, so she was on her mission. And so she sort of left me at this beach house with Tyler. And Tyler and I started bonding over cameras and shooting. And then there's this whole story about him and I. We went for a bike ride and his bike got stolen. Then a few days later, I found it. I was like, I was biking by myself and I found the bike and I stole it back. But the funny thing about all of that is that he had previously like months before made a video or a short film about a guy who gets his bike stolen and goes to steal it back. So he was like, Oh my God, this is a sign. She's like my, my future wife, (laughs) whatever. But no, actually like, the funny thing is that like when I was leaving LA, we weren't even going to be dating because he was like going through a very hard time in his life. And I was just like, well, if you're not committing, then I'm not interested. And then as I'm like, on the plane, he texts me and he's like, okay, let's do it. Oh, I love it. What a yeah. beautiful love story. It's a cute story. People always ask, but it's like really long and yeah. <laughs>
0: I, I love it. And I think people should know in the fact that, you know, you said you're not interested, you're not serious. You know, I, I think it's great. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's beautiful. And you guys find each other and now you have a business together and yeah,
1: and, and like you said, like it, For sure helps so much that we have a very common interest, common goals and all of that. And I mean, even that we do work together because the jobs that we do do, like if we didn't work together, we would never see each other. And even in my previous relationships, what was really hard is that like your commitment to your career really does affect your relationship with other people. Right. So just being able to do the things that you love with the person that you love is really helpful for me. (laughs)
0: I love the story. Now, I need to ask questions of, you know, how do you maintain the relationship, working together? I'm sure it's challenging at times. I'm sure seeing uh, each other 24-7 is not easy, and COVID has proven it to a lot of people. Uh, I think divorces are at their highest, because a lot of people could not spend 24-7 together in close quarters, but you guys do it so well all the time.
1: What's the secret? you definitely do need to be with a person that you like just spending time (laughs) with, you know, like I feel like a lot of people maybe don't get to have that experience beforehand. So then when it does happen, they're like, Oh, maybe I don't actually like spending as much time with you as I thought. And that's fine too. Like, I don't think that that should be something that people should be, you know, scared of or scared to admit we learn as we grow or we grow as we learn. And we did a long video on Tyler's YouTube, actually, I can send you the link to it about how not to kill each other during quarantine. (laughs) Because that was the thing that was coming up, like a lot of people were asking me, they're like, Oh, my God, you spent 24 seven with your husband, how do you guys do it? I want to kill mine. (laughs) Like, yeah, I want to kill Tyler a lot of the times too. the trick is not to do it. (laughs) But and you know, and vice versa, like we totally get it on each other's nerves, but we have like separate rooms in the house that we can escape to and uh, we still do our individual things, but then we also support each other in each other's things and really carve out time to just be together without distractions, without like internet or other things with a lot of people. The thing that can drive each other crazy is when people are constantly on e- on their phones and not paying attention to the other person, such an easy thing to avoid. And it's also a very easy thing to fall into. So yeah, just like things like that, I guess it's, always a learning process and a learning curve and the fact that like my mom lives right underneath us i mean being eastern european you must know the mother's always involved and she almost plays like a counselor part to us every time there's a fight or something she just up here and be like what's going on what do i need to what do i need to say what do i need to do i mean it's helpful to have you know a circle around you of people that also support your relationship too
0: I totally agree with you. It's the uh, the same, you know, Eastern European moms do want to get involved, obviously, out of the goodness of their heart. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And I also agree, you know, the few things that you mentioned is, you know, having your separate spaces, having your routines and doing separate things, but also scheduling time together. I think that's important because I think a lot of people lose their actual identity Mm -hmm. and that's what causes issues, right? Because if you don't know what you like or you rely on the other person to make you
1: happy. Oh, for sure. And uh, I think with us too, there's a lot of the times the struggle is on who gets the main focus of whatever, right? So like today we'll be working on Anya's things, but tomorrow we'll be working on Tyler's things. But when we're working on the opposite person, we're also always thinking about our own Project in our minds, I mean, no matter what, you always think that you're the most important, right? Like, you have to be (laughs) a saint to be putting other people in front of you all the time. But yeah, so I think it's like a matter of figuring out good ways of balancing that and that there's always a focus on the other person, that one person doesn't get forgotten, you know? I think it's easy to, like I said, sort of want to do everything for yourself and be like oh wait but there is another person in this relationship they also have needs and they also have wants how do we marry those two things
0: i love it um we uh, had an interview with andrew D'Souza of Clearbank bank the other week and the one thing he mentioned is you know we have this notion of thinking that we're the center of the universe but we have to remind ourselves that we are the secondary person someone else's story and you know we might be the main character in our own story but we also play different parts you have to manage when we do both so i love it i guess on the topic of covid and the pandemic you guys are both creators Mm -hmm. how has it been you know creator in captivity during COVID.
1: yeah uh hard for sure i'm not gonna lie now it's gotten better things are picking up again and starting to look more normal the biggest challenge for us was not traveling with us creating imagery and videos and stuff like location is so important. And I feel like, you know, around where we are, first of all, when it started, there was still snow on the ground. So that sucked. And we sort of, you know, shot the hell out of everywhere in our close vicinity. So we're not as excited about it. But we still have to find things that we do want to do and that do make us happy around us, obviously. But yeah, the not traveling part was very hard. and you know, what we did, we basically just made sure that we created all the time. Obviously jobs were stalled and canceled, but we still came up with projects and Shot things, and I mean, I started my money series. I started just doing like DIY projects, a lot of that stuff, which I didn't really ever have time for, but I always really like working with my hands. So um, I decided to learn how to crochet and macrame and like do all this other stuff. Because of those things, I also met a bunch of really great, amazing people that I wouldn't have otherwise. So there's a silver lining in everything. Right now, it's starting to feel a lot better and we can travel again. Like we feel a little more free. We're actually looking at booking a flight out to Europe. Where Most in Europe that goes? Uh, well, Amsterdam, and then okay. from there, wherever we can go. <laughs> so,
0: when you go somewhere for obviously a location shoot, how long do you
1: stay in each place? It's really up to us. Like I would really love to stay however long I wanted. I could definitely do that just kind of like live without having a place, but we do have commitments and things back home. So we sort of go by our schedule and we do keep things very open. So we'll book a one-way ticket and then we'll book the return flight back while we're there because like our schedule and our jobs, things come up very last minute. Like sometimes a client can email me and be like, oh, can you be there next week? and I always say like, I'm a totally yes person. I'm going to say yes, no matter what. So yes, I'm going to say yes first and I'm going to figure it out later. So that's what I do. Right. So yeah, I mean, the longest that we've stayed in any one place was three weeks, which was a long time, but I would really do love to be away for like months at a time. But you know, like my mom is here and we have our cats and we do also love being at home as much as we like to travel. I'm totally a homebody and I just love sitting on the couch and kind of relaxing once in a while, especially when it's summertime and it's warm. Interesting. So then
0: I guess with COVID and the pandemic and the vaccine potentially not coming out, do you think that's going to change the creative process? I guess the content that you guys create and then the whole space for digital creators? How is it changing with this pandemic?
1: I'm very hard set on trying to do things the way that I want, even though it may not always work. And even when I say that the, the way that I want I do still have to be very conscious of the world around me. Um, And obviously, I won't be able to do everything the way that I used to, but it's about being able to adapt and sort of go with the flow. I think that's such a big part of our job and the way that we do things and everything, really. I mean, a lot of people are like, oh, freelancer life is so hard because you have to do that. But You can say the same thing for people working for companies and other people. You're really dependent on other people's ability to adapt. So all of a sudden, you don't have that control. So here, we're in control of all of that. So we do really have to just gauge, you know, well, what are we able to do? How far are we able to go without putting anybody in danger or uh, staying healthy or, you know, being responsible? That's going to be different because all of a sudden people will have to be looking at things that way. Again, like that idea of you're not the only person here, like you have to be looking at other people and how it affects everybody around you. But in terms of like the industry, when it first started, I was like, it will definitely change the industry because all of a sudden a lot of people will not be able to create. I think a lot of people are very dependent on being able to go away or other people creating events or basically other people creating opportunities for creation. So now it'll be more about who's able to create their own opportunities, basically. How do you create the new opportunities in this uh landscape so to speak oh my gosh I mean there's so many different ways uh and everybody's path is so different I always say that it's like you can't take my story and replicate it you're going to have to figure it out on your own yeah sorry but you know things like getting out there and putting yourself out there in whatever capacity that may be you know if you're a painter going out and selling your paintings, I don't know, on the street, like if there's no markets or whatever, or setting up a webinar or like an online class or whatever it may be. For me, you know, when I started, I was going to every single event, like no matter what it was, I just wanted to meet people. I wanted to put my business card into people's hands. I wanted to let people know that, hey, I'm here and this is what I do practicing and just doing it, I think is the biggest thing. I think a lot of people are like, well, I want to I want to create, I want to be a photographer, I want to do this, but I'm scared. I don't want to ask somebody else to take a photo of them or whatever. And it's like, well, then you're not going to be able to practice. Basically, practice makes perfect. And if you don't go out and do it, then you're not going to get to where you hope that you're going to go. I think sometimes people have this idea that like, oh, well, somebody's going to notice me or somebody's going to, find me or whatever. But like, you're the first step in your own story. I love it. So then I guess jumping into this whole idea of how you guys started.
0: I mean, you've been doing this for a very long time. Do you see that the industry has shifted quite a bit? I mean, now it's more saturated. There's a lot more bloggers. The things I hear from some of my friends who are blogging or are influencers, they're saying that the issue now is brands are giving you a lot of you know products or deals and there's an expectation of doing things for free. And now with COVID, it's actually getting worse. Do you see
1: something similar? I am lucky to say that I don't, but also I feel like I don't think that I should say that I'm lucky because I just don't allow that. So I don't welcome that kind of opportunity, if you'll say. And I think that the things that end up being directed towards me are kind of a product of what I put out there. If I'm going to say, I'm going to do this for free, then that's what's going to be coming at me. You know what I mean? I don't know. It's like the universe sort of conspires to go in the direction where you want. It's such a crazy thing to say, but like, Uh, you know, sometimes I'm like, Oh, I don't know if we have enough money to pay for our bills. And then all of a sudden there's checks coming in the mail. So if you start saying that, yes, I'm open to doing things for trade, I'm open to doing things for free, then you're going to do that one thing for free. And then other people will find you and will ask you to do it for free. And it's not going to end until you start saying no. And I think there's a big fear in people saying no, because they're like, Oh, well, things are just not going to come at all. Then you have to decide, like, how do you want to play this? Because if people do stop coming, then you stop doing things for free. So either way, you're not doing free shit anymore. And then even if other things don't end up coming, you can focus on whatever it is that you want. So if you're doing things for free anyway, just do it with the products that you want. Go to the store, buy your own thing, and then talk about that. Like, who cares, right? And then if you say no, you are also giving yourself an opportunity for people to come to you with budgets, or you're now going to start saying, well, no, but I will do it for a fee. And then it sort of opens up a different conversation with these people, clients or marketing agencies or whoever, then I think people just start looking at you differently. There's this big story. There was a Harvard case study done on the blonde salad, Chiara Ferrani. she's Italian, And her biggest thing was that she said no to every job that came along until she got the job that she wanted. And I always thought of this and I really respect that because that's the deal. That's how it works. When you say no, the only outcome of it is not that they will not come to you again. There are a million different things that can happen. If you say no to something, people might come out of it being like, oh, she's saying no because maybe she's better than this, or maybe we should be giving her money, or maybe she's working on something else that is paying her or whatever. Like there's so many different narratives that can be coming out of that conversation that you're not thinking about because all you're stressed out about is like, oh, those opportunities won't come. But you know, at the end, it's like, I don't know if it's worth just doing things for free forever.
0: That totally makes sense because time is limited, right? And uh, if you take an opportunity that is potentially not something you like or free, You're giving up an opportunity to actually do something that you want and make money. So I totally, totally agree with you.
1: And I also think, though, that like, you know, having said all of that, there is a time in a career or in a, you know, trajectory of a creator where you will be doing things for free. But then you have to position yourself, like, what do I want to do? I still can't do everything. So I'm going to treat them as jobs. Obviously, I want to be professional. I want to be doing them to the best possible quality. But then when I do commit to do something, I want them all to be in line with my brand, in line with what my vision is and all of that stuff. So I think that there's definitely a time and place for everything.
0: So for those influencers who are just starting out, trying to get into a spot, discovered Instagram, Hmm. For the first time, and obviously, right now the market is very saturated. Yeah. What would be your advice? Because I know
1: algorithms are different now, things are very different from three to five years ago. So, my biggest advice is to not rely on the internet solely to be discovered or to be found. There is still so much to be said for FaceTime, like in real life kind of FaceTime. <laughs> uh, you still want to meet people in person, even though right now, yes, it is hard. We're all sort of in the same place. There really is nothing like building a relationship with somebody and building a relationship over email or DM is not building a relationship. That could be maintaining a relationship. We have in the past in our business and still do and still would 100%. If we meet somebody for the first time, a client, whatever, over email, and we happen to be in a different country, in a different city, we will take the time and we will spend the money to go to wherever they are and meet in person. Because it is always worth it. And it's an investment. If you want to treat your platform as a business, then you're going to have to act in a way that it's your business.
0: I love it. So I guess, what are the business tips? for the person who is just, you know, trying to quit their day job. And as you did, right, you did accounting for a few years and then you decided to go solo. When do you decide to finally break free, so to speak, and start the creative process? And then what are the steps? And I guess how much money do you have to save to make sure because obviously success might not come right away. So like, What's that process?
1: Like? Oh, for sure. It's funny. I actually had the same conversation with somebody else on one of my money stories that hasn't come out yet, but it will. And I was asking her the same question because those are the things that people want to know. It's like, if I want to quit. How much money do I need? So when I quit my job, I only had $10,000 saved up, but I also had Tyler who was paying for the rent and who was sort of at that time kind of taking care of me but I still wanted to feel sort of financially independent. And this was before we were married. So I was kind of taking a leap of faith for sure. But I was also younger and I feel like a lot more agile. But I feel like I would still do the same thing now that I know the outcome. But um, what a good time. I feel like sometimes, you know, if you're the kind of person that wants to have stability and wants to have reassurance that you're going to be okay, then you should definitely have Enough money saved up for a year of like comfortable living. So, even if you quit your job, you want to be able to focus on whatever your next project is for about a year. I think that's a really good time. Within a year, if it's not happening for you, then you have to find a different project. Whatever it may be, like if you want to quit because you want to start a knitting company or if you want to quit because you want to be an Instagram influencer or whatever. If within a year that's not happening for you, then That means that you're just maybe not cut out for it. Maybe you're doing something wrong. But in that time, you want to be doing everything that you possibly can to be getting it off the ground. You definitely don't want to be sitting around waiting for things to happen. Like that's the biggest, biggest thing. You want to be going and networking and socializing and putting your product in other people's hands for Instagram that would be like your business card. Yeah, so like in that time, you definitely want to be hustling. Like you want to be out all the time or working on your website or getting financial advice or taking a business course. So there's a lot of work. You know, you might be doing that already and you might already be at a point where you know your company is going to work. So then don't wait, then just do it. But everybody is in a different place. If you're in a spot where you feel like I'm already making money on my business and all I need to do is really quit that job so that I can focus 100% then do that and don't wait because I always thought I'm like you know I was in this comfortable job I had a great salary and I was like oh I'm gonna quit and I'm gonna give all of that up I'm gonna have to stop buying things when I want them like that was always the thing is like I know that I'm financially safe when I can just buy whatever and not think about it twice but I did it I was like hopefully it's gonna be worth it I've had enough time to know that this isn't a job that I want. Is this monthly paycheck enough for me to be happy? And it wasn't. And so with $10,000 in my bank account, I quit my job and I moved to Victoria. Tyler was working out there. And so I went to join him before then we came back to Calgary. That was just like our story.
0: The rest is history. I love it and the advice as well. So I guess when you start, would you focus right now on a certain topic, a trend? Is there some kind of hack? that you should definitely maybe utilize, maybe a niche that's not explored enough that somebody should target or should somebody just go abroad and try to do everything?
1: It's so funny. I mean, that's also different for everyone, you know? Like yeah. it really depends on your set of skills, of on what you have to offer, on what you have to say. For me, like I said, the niche thing is really not as exciting, but I also think that the industry in general is very much more lifestyle focused than just a very specific, like I'm just going to be doing this one thing. But there's definitely an audience for it. Like there is an audience for people that just want to see photos of an eye with makeup on it or dogs or whatever. So if you have a very defined niche, then I say go for it. And if you know that you can do a great job with great quality content on that, that's great. But maybe you have to explore that still. So maybe you do have to be general before you focus. With me, I feel like even though I don't focus super crazy on any one thing, I still do have specific things like travel, fashion, and money are my main things because those are the things that I know most about. But I still do want to get excited about other things. Like I started crocheting, so I'm going to talk about that and still, you know, work with companies that come to me with things that interest me that aren't always maybe necessarily within the focus of what my, you know, bio says or whatever. Because those are the things they think that also differentiate you from other people. You're going to say that you're a beauty blogger, but if you're a beauty blogger with a twist, that can give you a whole other niche of people. Or it can also introduce your audience to so many different things. I love it. That totally
0: makes sense. So then if you could go back and give yourself advice
1: like a few years back when you yeah. just
0: started, what would that be?
1: To stop doing things for other people and start doing things for yourself. That's such a big thing for me. I mean, for the longest time, I was just doing everything in my life in line with what my parents wanted me to do. It was so important for me to make my parents happy. I was so scared to disappoint them. They packed up their life in Poland and came to Canada to give me opportunities and things. And even the way that they talked to me about it is that they had very specific opportunities in mind for me. But I feel like now that I look back at it, the opportunity that they gave me to be here is to really find the thing that I love to do. I would be doing everybody the service, including the people around me, if I was just unhappy in my life doing the things that were making them happy. If you're not happy, you're not going to make anybody else happy around you, you know?
0: I totally agree with you. And plus, you have so much talent that could have been
1: wasted if you just stuck to, you know, one thing and didn't explore all the other possibilities. You know, talent, thank you. I always, as a creator, I'm always doubting myself about everything. But I also love the journey of like discovering new things and learning how to do new things and always growing. Like it's always a journey. I mean, even when I look at my blog, you know, from the beginning and now, I'm so embarrassed About the things that we used to do, like the photos that I used to post and stuff. I just can't even believe it. But it's also fun to look back at it because then you really see how much you grew. And if you didn't, then like, well, then there's something wrong.
0: Well, and the other thing is practice makes perfect, right? Like the more you do things, the better you get, as you mentioned, right? Like you you just got to start somewhere and the rest will work itself out. Oh, Yeah, absolutely.
1: I think, yeah, we for sure live in a world where like you want everything super instantly. You start something today and you want results tomorrow. Yeah, but it doesn't happen that way. And it's like we have to be open to be humbled by that process.
0: I love that. Speaking about money talks, and you know, what led you to starting this complete new series? Obviously, COVID helped propel
1: the, the movement forward. But what motivated you to start it? For sure, I always wanted to talk about money, because the one thing that I've noticed over the years, and talking to my parents too, everything that you do in an Eastern European household is never good enough. Like an 86, well, why not 100? Whatever, like, Okay, well, give me a break here. (laughs) Instead of looking at my 86, why don't you look at everybody's like 64? You know what I mean? But that's sort of like how I've always been looking at other people my age and seeing like that they're not really making the best decisions with their money. And they're really not looking forward enough. I think a lot of young people don't spend enough time talking to older people about their mistakes, which is one thing that I think, I don't know, the, the downfall of younger generations not mine or whoever is just always the generation that's after you. You're always like, Oh, they're old and they don't understand and whatever, but there are things to be learned from them for sure. So money's always been something that I looked up to my parents and to my brother, who's 16 years older than me. And then, so I took accounting of course and learned things there. But I think the most things that I learned were in practice. Yeah. Just seeing that people don't really make the best decisions with the money then COVID happened. And Everybody was freaking out. Everybody's like, oh my God, my job or I'm fired or my freelance thing, like I can't make any money or people like uh, freezing, paying invoices and all of that stuff. And I was freaking out and I didn't really have much to freak out about because I have a cushion, I have an emergency fund and I have all of that stuff sort of put away, you know, for the dark hours, my mom says, but I was freaking out anyway. And so I'm like, if I'm freaking out, so many people around me are also freaking out. I know it. And so I started Money Talks because I just wanted to talk to other people to make myself feel better. But you know, as a result, I'm like, well, I'm not the only one that feels this way. Other people do too. So I did see really quickly that everybody was kind of relieved to hear other people's stories. But at the same time, they were learning new things. And Being able to have people from different walks of life, different industries sort of come out and open up more about how they are with money management, you know, how much money they save, what kind of like spending habits they have and all of that stuff really opens up the world of sort of possibilities for people. I mean, so I did a webinar and I was talking about GICs. So many people don't know about GICs because it's not something that banks advertise. Unless you know somebody that's already done it, you don't really know much about it. Or incorporating. As like a freelancer, a lot of people are still sold proprietors. And I'm like, no, you should all be getting incorporated because there's so many... Tax
0: implications.
1: Yeah. And so many things like tax implications, but also just like optics of... writing how- off
0: your expenses. It's like a lot of things, I mean... I also did accounting and then and right now I'm in finance and banking. So I totally agree with you that financial literacy is something not mm. being taught. Even coming from the Eastern European Russian background, yes, parents always told you you had to figure your life out and it has to be you know straight and narrow and you have to save. But they never really taught you how. So you kind of had to yeah. figure things out. And yeah. unfortunately, if you don't have the help, you would never do anything as, as yeah. you mentioned. So now in terms of the emergency fund, what would be your
1: recommendation for people to have a cushion of? Different people will tell you different things. It really comes down to your comfort level. I heard people say have three months of your bare like necessity expenses. So like your rent, your insurance, money for food. So figure out how much money you spend on food every month and stuff like that. But that's not enough for me. I need like a year. If we're going to be in a pandemic and we're going to be like not sure whether or not we're going to be closed up inside of our house and not be able to work, then I want to know that I'm okay for a year. Three months go by really fast. So yeah, I mean, a year for me is comfortable. I mean, other people say three months, but I feel like that's not
0: conservative enough. I like your approach. A year would be basically where I'm at the same yeah. way. Because I think, you know, even with this pandemic,
1: so we're yeah. in five months, like, totally, it was not enough for someone. No. And you know, we are, we are getting help from the government, which is great, but not everybody is. And a lot of people also, which is crazy to me, a lot of people still don't know to this day that they can take the help that they're even eligible for that help. I've talked to so many people and I'm like, are you collecting CERB? And they're like, no, I don't, I don't think that I'm eligible. And I'm like, well, tell me about more about yourself or whatever. And I'm like, yeah, you're eligible. You should be applying for that money.
0: I would say, you know what, if you need to qualify, the resource and the tool is there to help. Now, what are the common mistakes that people make with money, you think, or young people make mistakes with money?
1: The biggest thing, I think, is, and this is not just young people, I think people in general, the idea of keeping up with the Joneses, you want to have what your your neighbor has, stop that mentality immediately. It's so stupid. (laughs) You have to live within your means. That's period, end of story. If you're making an X amount of money, you cannot spend more than you're making. Because, I mean, obviously that's basic math. You are going to be in debt and you're never going to be able to dig yourself out of it because the system is rigged in a way that it's just not in your favor. So the moment that you go in debt, your mentality changes. Everything really changes in your life. And, you know, I'm not talking about like student loans, obviously people have to do that and stuff like that. But people go into credit card debt, credit and card they bills, pay off their credit cards with other credit cards. Like I've seen it all. And it's really crazy. But even on a more deeper level than that, like I see people all the time, housing is a big thing, property, real estate. So many times people are so set on living in that hip neighborhood. Like they want to live, you know, on Queen West or they want to live downtown Vancouver or wherever. I don't know. Rent is crazy expensive or prices of these houses are insane. Who are you really trying to impress here? Other people. You're not doing this for yourself because if you were, you would be looking at how much money can I afford to pay in a mortgage that isn't going to take me an entire life to pay off. Like I know people... Who have parents who are still paying off their mortgage from like when they first move into their first home? They call it a starter home because the idea is that you want to eventually move out of it and upgrade. So, doing things like investing your money is much smarter than spending it on your primary residence. Also, like getting a place where property taxes are low is going to be the best solution. When you're buying your first property, don't look at living in the coolest place you can find. Look at the place where you are going to be able to pay off your mortgage within 10 years. If you can own, really own your place within 10 years, then you're golden. Like then you can make decisions with your money because think about it, like in the beginning of when you first buy your place, your job isn't going to be paying you the most money that you'll be making in your life. So you're going to be able to pay off your mortgage with this, measly salary that you're making or whatever, and then you pay it off. And then once you do get to the point where you are making more money in your job, all of that money is yours to spend however you want. Like how amazing would that be? Spend or save or whatever, like invest and grow it. Again, that instant gratification. Yeah. With 10 years, it's really not that long, but I think people aren't looking that far ahead, you know?
0: I totally agree. And I think the other thing people are not doing is they're not saving a certain amount off their paycheck. Like, you know, TFSAs, I think a lot of people don't know where they can invest and how they can invest and all the tools available. So in your recommendation, what would be like the top five things easy to do? Like, you know, what normal money management tips
1: well, so it depends if you're like a freelancer or if you have a stable job because mm-hmm. your money inflow is going to be different, right? Depending on that. So because we're freelancers, I always say that you're really lucky when you're a freelancer because you can really take a big lump sum of money and save that up right away. Because a lot of the times you're going to be getting paid for a couple of jobs at once. So take one of those jobs and don't spend it. Just take that entire sum of money and put it in a separate bank account. And I think separate bank account is so important. Like people don't realize that like... All you need is to psychologically have a different compartment for that money so that when it comes time to, you know, like you're checking your balance, you're like, "Ooh, I have more money than I thought. So therefore I can go and shop some more or whatever. But if you have that money tucked away and hidden so that you don't always see that balance, it's going to grow a lot faster just because it's out of sight. And then when you're working for a company, you get a T4 at the end of the year. I think, you know, so smart, especially in the beginning when your salary is still giving you a refund at the end of the year, save that refund. Like sometimes, you know, when I was working at the uh, accounting firm, I would get like a $3,000 refund. Just save all that money. Save $3,000. You're getting a paycheck at the end of that month. Take that to pay whatever you need and then save the $3,000. And then automatic withdrawals, from your bank account every month, every week. We have it set up for once a week. Money that you won't even notice is gone, you know? Some people set it up to be like a dollar a day or $5 a week or a small amounts. But like, sometimes you just like life happens and you're not paying attention. And then you go and you're like, wow, I have $4,000 saved up because I wasn't even looking or whatever. And it's like finding 20 bucks in your jacket pocket, you know, when winter comes around. It's like the best feeling.
0: I totally agree with you. I mean, from the corporate background, I would say it's beneficial to set up your investments, your sps, anything that basically decreases your paycheck and yeah. helps you to mitigate the tax implications. Yeah. It's just smarter because... It's, oh, for sure. It's just but I also important.
1: think too, so important to like when you do, you know, put your money into RSPs or TFSA, know where that money is going. Like don't listen to your financial advisors. Just take their advice and research it before you say, okay, let's do whatever it is that you say, because that may not always be the best for you. And like, you know, don't forget that those people get commissions and they also get paid. And sometimes they're not looking out for your best interest. Know where that money's going. Like your RSP ideally is your retirement money. And you want it to be there at the end of the, however long your career is going to be. So that, and of course, then stock market, just like, don't use that as your savings of any times. kind. Like I always say that stock market is for growing money. It's not for saving money. So when you want to save money, you put it somewhere safe. And then when you want to grow it, then you can gamble and play with it and whatever. But also never do it with money that you need. If you're going to play with the stock market, use the money that is extra, that you're willing to lose yeah
0: I never never gamble with your emergency fund and uh, yeah, pay no. attention to the hidden fees because you know yeah. management fees at one, two percent add up at the end of the day you're not even breaking even with inflation, so that's sure. just those small things that I agree with you, some people yeah. don't pay attention to. yeah yeah so to switch gears, where do you find your creativity and uh, when you guys you know find a project, decide on a shoot, work with a client, how do you get? In the vibe and then how do you create your beautiful content? Because your pictures are breathtaking.
1: Oh, thank you. Uh, I mean, if you can't tell right now, I'm totally like a creative standstill. (laughs) I wouldn't say that, but okay. my, My cat's been sick. I haven't posted in like a few days. My cat's been sick and I've just been kind of like totally focused on that. But yeah, when I need to, I have, you know, a countless amount of boards and inspiration folders You know, whenever I see something that I like, even if I can't use it at the time, I always save it for like a later time to reference or whatever. And I go back to those things a lot. Uh, Movies are a big inspiration point for me. It's funny because it's such a fluid thing and it comes and goes. And it's hard to be creative when you're not feeling into it. Like sometimes you can have all the inspiration and references in the world, but then when you're not in the right mindset, you're just not in the right mindset. So I think like taking time off and letting your sort of mind clear and relax is so important because I feel the worst about content I produce when it's like forced, when it's last minute, when I have to really churn it out and I have no other choice versus one that comes organically that I'm excited to create that I've been waiting to do for such a long time, you know.
0: I agree with you. It's, you know, sometimes you just need to take a break to let the creativity flow in. Mm-hmm. And the muse to take over. But speaking about I guess relaxing, how do you deal with stress? Any tips, tricks that you, you use? I
1: started smoking weed. <laughs> I've always been such a like straight edge person. Always like again with like pleasing my parents and never wanting to disappoint them. But I've always like never wanted to do drugs or try anything that would be like put me out of control when it started being legal in Canada, I was like, okay, it's legal, so I can do it now. So I tried it. And actually, at the time that it was becoming legal, my anxiety was like at an all time high. Like I had an episode where I literally thought I had a heart attack. And that was kind of like, okay, I'm smoking weed, I don't care. (laughs) And so I went out and I found some and like, honestly, it didn't even take much. Like all I needed was a couple of days of like just chilling out. But also I feel like the realization of having to take this break and chill out was very important as well. Because I was at a point in our jobs too, where I was like replying to emails Immediately. Like, I heard my phone buzz and I would e- reply to that email right away. I learned since to reply to emails twice a day in the morning and in the afternoon. Like, don't check your phone. I turned off my notifications on the phone. Like, my, it's no longer buzzing. Like, I would wake up in the middle of the night to check because I heard that there's an email that came in. You know, it's so high strung because I never wanted to miss an opportunity and I just like always wanted to be on top of my game and stuff like that. And that episode was it just kind of like gave me this wake-up call. Be like, well, if I don't do anything about it, I might be dead and then I won't be able to do my job at all. So like, what's better here? What's the more beneficial solution? <laughs>
0: totally makes sense. So I guess, is there a preferred strain you use or how do you consume? Because there's oils, there's vape pens, yeah. there's so many resources and tools and they are really helpful. Like that yeah. is... Honestly, how I sometimes deal with stress and anxiety as well. Yeah, just because the tools are out there, they're there for you to use.
1: Yeah, totally. I think I mean, like honestly, I thought it was such a revelation. And again, it was kind of like this moment where you know my parents are always right (laughs) because, of course, like when it started happening, my mom is like, "Oh no, that's so bad! Weed getting legalized? That's I can't believe it! What world do we live in?" But then I also bought her a cream for her arthritis or rheumatism and that helped her. And so like she saw the benefits of it and all of a sudden she changed her mind. Maybe it's more about being open to things and and understanding them. That was a really big thing when I started. Education was so important to me. Like I wanted to know everything, how it's made and like what the effects are and what are the different strains and flavors and like what are the different ways I can consume it. So I ended up with a pen. Dosis is the one that I do. And there's different flavors and like different sort of results, I guess. I don't know. To me, they're probably all the same. But uh, there's like ones that have more THC and ones that have more CBD. Yeah, like a lot of them just kind of put me to sleep. And I think only once did I have a time when I was like laughing at everything, you know, like, Oh, I wish I could do that all the time. But again, I don't do it that often either. So I guess I'd have to do it a lot more. Uh, But doses and then it also gives you uh, every time you take a puff it vibrates. So it doses the amount that you take so you know how many puffs you need to take for it to take effect and then it looks really nice so
0: I didn't know about it so now I'm gonna go check it out yeah yeah yeah.
1: I don't know it's my favorite I feel like in Canada there's still not a lot of offerings you go down to the states like California and stuff and you go to the dispensaries there and like it literally looks like a boutique with all these beautiful packaging and all this stuff and here like I still haven't had like loose leaf weed but the presentation of that is just like not awesome to me. Yeah. It's different packaging. Yeah. Like you I want to see like take. nice boxes and like, yeah. Not what they want to do with the product. So <laughs> yeah, that's,
0: that's kind of unfortunate. So do you have a routine that you practice every morning, every night,
1: certain time um, you wake up, certain time you go to bed? No, it's honestly, it's different every day. I'm so bad at having a routine, uh, part of like our freelancer lifestyle. Yeah. When we're at home, it's a little more, I guess, set because we have the cat. So, like, we feed him and then we go on to our day, usually our studio, which is uh, in a different neighborhood. And, like, in the summertime, we get to bike there. And But always, I think the most important thing is, like, always trying to fit in fun <laughs> that sounds so stupid. But trying to fit in some fun during the day, like even if it is doing a bike ride on the way to work, it's like super important to me. Like I hate when I have to just like grind from morning to night. I have to find like some joy in every day, you know? Love it. So what about exercise? Do you like exercise regularly? Not at all? Yeah, we exercise. And again, depends on the time of the year. Right now, we're like all about outdoors exercise. So we started playing tennis this year. We do bikes and go hiking a lot. We have a trainer, which we've been training with him outdoors during quarantine. But now he has a gym. We haven't been to the gym yet. We're still kind of like, not sure if we want to go in- indoors but the weather's so nice like I literally hate wasting nice weather if it's nice outside I'm gonna be outside like just give me I'm gonna run I'm gonna like do jumping jacks like whatever it is but definitely moving is so important for all aspects like physical health mental health all of that like and it's such a joy like If you find a sport or an activity that you like to do, like I feel my least favorite thing is being in the gym. Like my least favorite thing is to be like on a machine and just kind of like, oh my God, I'm doing this because I need to move. If you find something that you just genuinely really love to do, then it's fun. Then it's just like part of your life. You're looking forward to it. You can't wait to play that game or, you know, in the winter we ski a lot. I
0: love it. I am the same way. Uh, Benefit of, uh, I used to live in Calgary. Yeah, being so close to the mountains. Yeah. It's fantastic. And then Well, now again, you're in
1: Vancouver, right?
0: I'm in Ontario. I'm in Toronto. Oh, you so you have lakes, so, yeah. you have waterfalls, you kind yeah. of
1: have the hikes. They're just a little bit different. Yeah.
0: Yeah yeah. The same.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, you can find things around you, yeah. honestly, for sure. I mean, like you can do bike rides or you have so much, like so much space over there. So
0: yeah. And the, nothing is happening downtown. So there's a lot of space. Yeah. A lot of empty space. Um, I've seen people playing tennis with the walls. Like socially distanced, a lot of obviously buildings are closed, no people on the anywhere.
1: And you have people with tennis rackets all around the perimeter of the building just playing tennis by themselves. In Calgary, there's like, an insane amount of tennis courts everywhere. I think there's 68 tennis courts, public tennis courts in the city. So you can just like go. And there's ones that we've discovered that like literally nobody in the neighborhood knows about. So they're ours. And I mean, in Calgary, also there's the river. We can go paddle boarding. And I mean, you can go on the lake too. in Toronto, we've done that before. Just like you can paddle from downtown to the island. So nice. It's fantastic.
0: So during summer, Canada is beautiful.
1: Yeah. I'm not even
0: too you know too sad about no travel plans for the next well i guess this whole summer because yeah. there's a lot of things to do in canada Yeah, there's so. definitely lots to do well
1: we have plans to rent like a sprinter van and just drive around from coast to coast no 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 uh, probably bc and alberta okay there is a part of canada that you don't really want to waste time on <laughs>
0: oh i love it that's that's incredible yeah. Okay, well, just to, you know, wrap it all up, every guest that comes on the show, we ask them, a millennial is, a
1: millennial should be, and a millennial is not. Oh, awesome. Okay. A millennial is. A millennial is, I think, a catch-all. And I think a lot of people just assume all millennials are the same person and they behave in the same way. But like, hello we're all different people. We all have different motivations and different goals in life. And I feel like older generations, especially really kind of shit on millennials because they're like, oh, they're lazy and they're entitled. And no, that's like saying that boomers are all hardworking and rich. (laughs) You know, not fair. (laughs) Yeah,
0: no, I totally agree with you. Not the case with everyone.
1: A millennial should be. I think that a millennial should always be preparing for the future. (laughs) I think, again, the generational thing, but the generations before us, the baby boomers, and I think it's the Y generation, right? They really robbed us of a lot of opportunities for our futures. Uh, And I feel like retirement is one of them. (laughs) I don't think that we will be able to retire the same way that our parents have. And they don't even realize that. So yeah, always trying to figure out how to live your life to be happy and even if you do have to work until you're eighty or until you die, that job better be the most awesome job ever.
0: Quit the mundane yeah. work that you don't like while well, you can because yeah. it's just not gonna get any better.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And then a millennial is not. A millennial is not lazy and entitled. <laughs> Love it. Love
0: it. Well thank you. Thank you for participating in this spy round and thank you for being on the show. Where do our listeners find you? Where can they connect with you?
1: They can always come to my Instagram at Anya B. Then there's Tyler's Instagram where I'm always at, at installment, uh, my blog, anyab.net or anyab.com. We have both domains. The and then if uh, anybody wants to learn how to take photos like us or learn more about photography, we also have a photography course with uh, a partner of ours, Light Tricks. Uh, you can go to academy.lighttricks.com. And there's two separate courses. One is on travel photography and one is on portrait photography. So,
0: And everybody should check it out because if they see you guys' pictures uh, and that's what you teach, I think it's a pretty good deal. <laughs>
1: Thanks so much. Thank you, Anya.